106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. What the mainstream media was too afraid to tell you about the news this week. This week, while the mainstream media obsessed over President Trump's redesign of Air Force One, here are the things that happened that really matter. Pinterest labeled content from pro-life organization Live Action as pornography. Then Pinterest permanently banned Live Action when the investigative journalists at Project Veritas revealed the shadow ban. Then Twitter suspended Project Veritas for posting a screenshot of an internal message board at Pinterest that shows a Pinterest employee calling Ben Shapiro a white supremacist. And then YouTube yanks the Project Veritas video of the Pinterest whistleblower and claims the video violates the privacy of Pinterest employees. And then, of course, Pinterest fired the insider whistleblower. Lest you ever doubt that big tech has it out for conservatives and Christians, this is your proof. But did the mainstream media report this to you? No, no. The mainstream media barely mentioned it. A new bombshell report reveals critical accuracy problems with the Mueller report. One of the key claims in the Mueller report in volume one was about a man named Konstantin Kalimnik, whom Mueller said was tied to Russian intelligence. The report said Kalimnik was also tied to Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort. And this portrayal of Kalimnik by Mueller was the premise of the claim that Trump's campaign officials were too closely tied to the Russian government. But it turns out, John Solomon at The Hill revealed bombshell government documents that show Kalimnik not, in fact, a Russian intelligence actor, but instead a U.S. intelligence source. And the Mueller team knew about this up to a year before they completed their report. But still, they portrayed Kalimnik inaccurately. But did the mainstream media report on this or ask questions about how this information undermines the credibility of Mueller's report? Nope, the mainstream media refused to touch the story. A captured ISIS fighter confirms to a terror watchdog group called the International Center for the Study of Violent Extremism that reports from five years ago from Judicial Watch, they reported that radical Islamist terrorists do, in fact, exploit our southern border with Mexico in order to enter our country illegally to case potential terror attack targets, are true. The former ISIS fighter says he himself was on his way to the U.S. through migrant routes before he was captured. But did the mainstream media report on this serious national security threat? No, no. The mainstream media refuses to even call the crisis at our border a crisis. Oberlin College in Ohio was fined $11 million for falsely accusing a family-owned bakery of being racist after three black students were arrested for shoplifting in the bakery. The dean of students at Oberlin jumped on this bandwagon and helped organize a boycott of the bakery, causing the bakery obvious damage based on the false allegations. But did the mainstream media report on this? Barely. The mainstream media prefers to blame white people for racism, but when the racism and the false charges are levied against white people, the mainstream media ignores it. In Venezuela, showers are now considered a luxury, as interim president Juan Guaido says Venezuelans can't count on running water in the nation. 
The nation that used to be the wealthiest nation in South America. But did the mainstream media report to you on this dreadful impact of socialism? Nope. The mainstream media was silent. The mainstream media doesn't care to report any of that to you. So we will. And that is my final point. Good day to you. This is Lou Benninger, and this is our 12th episode of No Hostages Radio. We're grateful that you're listening today, and uh, we should be on here about three hours, maybe two and a half to three hours. We've, we've cut it back a little bit, shortened it up. We thought it would be better. We'll see how that works. We're kind of on the, the philosophy of ready, fire, aim. So we're kind of tuning things up, trying to make them more interesting, more entertaining, and... Uh, more informational. So <clears throat> we, if this is your first uh, go with us, we appreciate it. And uh, if you like it, tell your friends about it. Our goal here is uh, not to make money <clears throat> and not to uh, stroke my ego, but simply to inform people about my views about life, uh, about politics, about culture, and, uh, and, and give some information from my point of view. Uh, so if you don't like my point of view, uh, sometimes I've noticed, uh, the email that I give out, which is Lou at nohostagesradio.com, L-O-U at nohostagesradio.com. I got a couple nasty grams where the person was really good at, at cussing, uh, but not so good at explaining their point of view, just that they didn't like my point of view. And, uh, and I was a this and a that. So it doesn't bother me. Uh, it's just my view on life, and uh, my feeling is everybody's going to be influenced by someone or something, so we might as well do, do some influencing. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'll talk about some of our sponsors in a bit. If you're interested in, in sponsoring this show, you can, you can do that. You can dial me up or text me at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. Or you could uh, shoot me an email at, a, as I mentioned before, at Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com, and that'll get over to me, and I'll respond right away. I check those, uh, those uh, communication devices routinely. So uh, thank you so much. And also, uh, if you ever want, if you want, actually wanted to call me, you could... You could text me or call me at 530-713-1838. So uh, I, hold on just a second, I need to lean over here. I take a, uh, I support the uh, NRA. I'm not, I have guns, but I, <clears throat> I don't shoot much anymore. I, I used to hunt when I was a youngster. I was raised here in Northern California where we're broadcasting fun from. We call it the state of Jefferson up here. Our, our hope one day is to uh, create a new state that would include about 24 of the, 40, of the 58 counties in California and maybe a couple southern counties in Oregon might join up. 
I'm not sure what's going to happen or not. I'd love to see it happen. There's been a lot of work uh, gone into it to start a uh, a state that's combining all these rural counties, farming counties, counties that have timber, mining, fishing, hunting. And uh, <clears throat> up here in Northern California, we're being ruled by uh, the urban areas of California, like L.A., San Diego, along the coast, the big, big uh, counties in Southern California. Excuse me just a minute. <clears throat> I'm getting over a cold. Um, so up here in Northern California, we don't dislike Southern California. We just don't want to be ruled by them. And in our, our way of government in the United States, we were supposed to uh, be represented by people like us and to make decisions over our own lives, not have someone else make decisions of our own lives. But in California, the way the the representative form of government has, has changed over the years, and now both the Assembly and the Senate are uh, the amount of representatives you have in both bodies is dictated by the population. So uh, a different way to do it would be like like we have at the federal level where we have we have uh, the House of Representatives is by population. You get a, you get more if you have more population, you get more House of Representatives uh, members. But but to balance that for the states with um, that are more sparsely populated, you get two senators for each state, which balances out. So in other words, it's a fair representation. So. So the uh, more sparsely populated areas of the country don't get ruled by these urban uh, areas that are densely populated. So, But in California, they changed, and both the Senate and the Assembly are um, organized according to population density. Instead of, for instance, a, an alternative would be to give each of the 58 counties one senator, right? So you'd have 58 senators— and they would have a vote that would give <clears throat> much more uh, balance to the rural areas. But the the powers that be decided to do it all by population. Therefore, uh, the Northern California area, even if 100 percent of us and all our representatives decided on a certain uh, policy that we would want to live under, uh, the the just the one county of Los Angeles could vo outvote us when it, when you go down to Sacramento to vote. So we feel that's unfair and uh, unfair representation, which our our forefathers fought over and risked their life and gave their life for. So that's just that. So I I uh, I'm a supporter of the National Rifle Association because. They're a big supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm not a hunter. I go to the store to buy my food. Uh, but but the Second Amendment wasn't even designed uh, to allow us to hunt or shoot our neighbor who was going to rape our wife. It, it was actually designed to uh, equip the population because the founding fathers were fearful that even though they got us off on the right foot with the Constitution— they felt that people coming after them after they come to pass, as the Bible would say, or die, they, they were nervous that the, that the government would get larger and larger and larger and more tyrannical and more controlling and taxing us without representation. Does that sound familiar? And so they wanted people to have weapons, so if they needed to shoot the government and take over, like a violent takeover, they could. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. 
So we have liberals in this country that want to remove all the guns. Now, wherever that's happened before, the people have been taken over and uh, murdered by the millions. And I've written about that in the Territorial Dispatch here in Northern California. And uh, whether you look at murdering a third of the population in Cambodia or Stalin killing about 25 million in, in Soviet Union or Mao killing tens of millions in China or um, the Viet Cong, uh, the North Vietnamese Viet Cong killing millions and millions of their own people. Uh, all these places had their guns removed from them. And we could go on and on and on. Venezuela is the latest example where they had armored vehicles driving over protesters that were unarmed. So uh, I celebrate the Second Amendment, and I, I would not hesitate to use weapons uh, to free this country from tyranny, uh, and I'm in support of that. And I know many others are, but they're just waiting to see whether we could take care of this through peaceable means. But at this point, we have a country that is basically socialist. Instead of saying basically, I should say we live in a country that is socialist. And if you look at any, any of the rules, um, uh, you know, it's kind of like even some of my conservative friends that get into politics change their mind once they're in there. They think, oh, it's not as not like I thought. It's socialist. And you say, oh, I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican or something like that. And they're not a conservative or a Republican. They're socialists. They act like it. They they tax people. They take their money from them. There isn't a move you can make that you're not taxed for in California. So if you're listening from out there from Missouri or Florida or Texas or Utah, Idaho, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, particularly if you left, if you're a refugee from California, particularly I know there's groups in both Idaho and, and Missouri uh, if you if you uh, or in Texas, some of my friends are down in Texas now and tell me what amazing place that is compared to California. It used to be everybody compared everything to California. Now everything com- it's like California, oh, California. So. Um, so we are going uh, through a socialist upheaval here in California, almost uh, it's hard, hardly a day goes by when there's not some announcement just 45 mi- miles from here uh, in the, in the, uh, the capital of Cal- uh, Sacramento, capital of California, uh, where, they're, they're, where they're making some new change, and it's socialism. It just They just make one dis- decision after another. So I'm going to read. I get this uh, because I send money to the NRA, and I am a member. Uh, I get this American Rifleman magazine, and uh, it says, In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, a 43-year-old man returned to his girlfriend's home early in the morning. This man had left uh, after police were summoned to the residence on a domestic dispute call. The man came back several hours later under the pretense of getting his property and moving out. A second fight took place between him and his girlfriend, who was seated in a car with her children. Apparently, man, I've seen some of these. I've ridden with the police and seen this exact situation go down. Apparently, the man threatened to kill the woman during the fight. Meanwhile, a teenage boy inside the residence heard the fight and retrieved a handgun from the home. The youth went outside where he found the man threatening to kill the woman as he assaulted her. The, The youth confronted the man who continued to attack the woman. 
the youth then defended the woman by firing several shots that struck the man who died from his injuries. Although police were investigating the case, they did not intend to file charges. And so each month, there's this page in the Rifleman called The Armed Citizen. And it just simply uh, recounts story after story where citizens uh, were in their own house, watching television, sleeping, having dinner, enjoying life, or driving down the road, and something, something happened. Shortly before midnight in April, a man was riding a rental scooter to a local store and driving through a parking lot in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. While exiting the parking lot, the man got into an argument with a woman and a teenage boy seated in the parked car nearby. The man left the area and returned, throwing down his scooter and brandishing a knife. Acting quickly, the boy grabbed a concealed carry gun in the in the vehicle and shot the other man in self-defense. This man died from his injuries. All these young men take in action. They know how to handle a, a handgun. Uh, in Lumberton, North Carolina, two men entered a home early in the morning. The two located the tenant of the residence inside the home's garage where which was in the backyard. The pair confronted the man with the intent to rob him, but were unprepared when the tenant drew his own gun, shot one of the suspects in the leg. Both men fled. When police arrived on the scene, they found the injured home invader, a 26-year-old local man lying in the backyard with a potentially life-threatening da-da-da-da. Anyway, they arrested him, uh, took care of business. Here's another one. At a gas station in Mount Clemens, Michigan, a clerk and several customers were inside the store when a masked gunman came into the building. The thief demanded money from the clerk and the customers. In response, the clerk pulled out a firearm, shot the suspect near the front door. The injured man was taken to an area hospital. A police investigation was underway, etc., etc., with arrest warrant. So I won't read them all, but I just give you a flavor of that. And the reason I do that is I'm just going to speak about California. And you think, well, Lou, I don't want to hear so much about California. I'm over here in Idaho or I'm over here in Missouri. Here's the deal. This is a sad fact that many of the, the ideas, as stupid as some of them are, end up being exported by, Cal- by California to you. So some of your liberal legislators over there in Idaho, Oregon is already very liberal, uh, Nevada, etc., are going to pick up on some of these ideas because it's working, quote-unquote, it's working, or it's being used in California. So uh, I just noticed this week uh, California gun owners are loading up on ammunition before the end of the month. Isn't this just tragic? You're just constantly uh, working your way around government, right? All of a sudden they pass a law, and and, uh, yesterday you were— a good citizen, and now because they passed the law, now you're a criminal. Why are people running in buying ammo? <clears throat> because on July 1, just around the corner, a state law will require ammunition buyers to show their ID and get a background check before making every ammunition purchase. Now, every purchase is going to cost you a dollar to run that background check. Now, they haven't even figured out how to do that, so this is like a DMV fiasco. Some people are even saying you need what they call the real ID, but there's a dispute going on about that. In other words, some people like me, I just have a regular uh, California driver's license. I haven't gone over there and got the real ID because I don't want to take the time to spend uh, till my next birthday standing in line at the DMV, the most 
screwed up place in California. But other agencies are competing with it. So you got to take, you got to bring your ID. Now, if you also, you cannot buy ammunition. Say, say for instance, you wanted to give me some ammunition. You wanted to buy a birthday present for me and you want to buy me some ammunition. You cannot do that. You can only buy ammunition in California for guns registered in your name. So if you have guns that are not registered in your name, in fact, they're, they're, in other words, they predate the registration of guns, right? They're, they're, they're old, old guns. So if you go down, you've got a 20-gauge shotgun, and you buy 20, 20, uh, some shells for a 20-gauge, and that gun was from the 1960s when it was given to you as a gift, or 1970s before registration— then they're not going they can't sell you those that ammo right until you bring that gun in to the government and register it you see what i'm saying so it's forcing you to buy your ammo elsewhere or buy it on the black market so the buyer every time you buy ammo it's going to cost you an extra dollar for this service to run a background check on you to see if that gun if if you have a gun with that kind of ammo so for instance if you if you bought your <clears throat> if your wife has a, a certain type of gun and you wanted to buy her a birthday present of a bunch of ammo, you cannot do that because that gun is not that you do not have a, unless you have a similar gun in your name registered to you. So if your wife has a gun that you don't have, you cannot buy her ammo. Isn't that crazy? Uh, this is just typical government in your business they got no business to it and it doesn't accomplish one thing to stop people getting hurt by guns it's just totally stupid now you know in in florida the governor has signed a bill allowing teachers to carry firearms it doesn't say they have to it isn't forcing them to and each school this is what i like the freedom Right. The governor says, hey, if you want to do this, you can do that. So it's up to each school, each local community, each uh, community of parents to decide whether they want to have this kind of extra safety measure. This is Florida where this shooting was at Parkland. You remember this? So the measure allows school districts to opt into the program. It does not require students or districts to do it. Teachers from districts that choose to participate will have to undergo a police-style training, psychiatric evaluation, and drug screening. Um, and it's not all not all districts support the move. Now, this is what I like: is like, hey, you want to make you want to come up with an opportunity for people to try something, and maybe they really believe strongly, but you can say, hey, we're not all going to do this. Make your own decision at your local level, and uh, if you do it, great. And if you don't, great, we'll see how it works. <clears throat> so some people are anti-gun even if all their kids get shot. It's just so stupid that people would think, you know, all around <clears throat> Air Force bases, military bases, uh, police departments, there's people with weapons to protect things. You go into the, the courthouse, there's people with weapons in the courtroom. Anywhere we want to really protect people, we use weapons. Did we not? But when it comes to school, the most precious commodity we have, the most precious asset we have, we don't we don't think we want to have any weapons. Why? Do we think it's going to go off, stash somewhere? It's just crazy. We're coming to the end of our first uh, break. We're going to do six segments here. 
But I saw this saying, and I just, I love these sayings. People, people a lot smarter than me. He says, we, we must take away, in California, we must take away your plastic straw wrapped in paper and force you to use paper straws wrapped in plastic. Did you know that? I'll say that again. We must take away your plastic straw wrapped in paper and force you to use paper straws wrapped in plastic. All right. Well, I'm going to come back here in a few minutes, and um, I'm just going to hose down my throat a little bit. And uh, I have a clip I'm going to play for you right now. It's about Venezuela. And honestly, people, Venezuela was one of the top four wealthiest nations in the world a few decades ago. And look at it now. All right, listen up, and uh, we'll check back with you in just a hot second. difference between a free market economy such as the United States and a socialist planned economy such as Venezuela is easily seen in a grocery store. In Venezuela, I didn't have a choice even in the cereal that I could purchase because there were no options basically, or the flour, milk, meat, anything you can imagine, toilet paper. In the United States, the biggest problem I had when I came was which cereal brand I could purchase. And that is the beauty of the free market. I'm Donald DiMartino. I was born and raised in Venezuela. I came to the U.S. three years ago. 20 years ago, Venezuela was not only one of the richest countries in the world, but it was also a regular democracy, a country with problems like any other country in Latin America. But people did not make lines for bread. People did not make lines for milk. People did not make lines to buy a car battery. The reality is that these policies that were supposed to give free things to everybody came at a much higher cost than what people thought they would come to. If I had stayed in Venezuela, I would be earning a dollar a day like my parents were. That is below the world level of extreme poverty. And now we can't vote these people out of office because once this system gets into place, once socialism actually gets implemented in your country, these politicians with all the power will not want to live. A lot of young people my age in college campuses such as the one I go to want socialist policies for the United States, but coming from a place that where those policies were implemented, I can tell you that government involvement in the economy will not lead to free things for you. It would only lead for the greatest cost for society and the loss of your freedom, the loss of your prosperity, and hurting exactly the people these policies intend to help, the poor and the young, such as myself. enjoyed that um, young man talking about Venezuelans experience trying to get away from socialism um, all right I wanted to read uh, this this is not new news but it's new to me and I thought oh this is amazing because I just wrote an article about Oberlin College who I believe just was assessed a penalty of over $30 million for joining in with students who were caught stealing from the store, black students, 
And so the university joined with other students claiming that the Gibson's market and, and a bakery was racist. And so the court said, you know, enough of this social activism when you're full of crap and destroying people's lives. Uh, you, don't, you, you aren't exempt from the law and you aren't exempt from consequences uh, with what you say and what you do. And so I ran across this uh, uh, guy, Ever, Dr. Everett Piper. He's the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. It's a Christian university. And I watched a couple clips on him being interviewed, and I thought, oh, this guy's pretty serious. So uh, what happened is they have, like in a lot of Christian universities, they have a chapel service. <clears throat> and uh, so, uh, so whoever was speaking that day was speaking on 1 Corinthians 13, which uh, is what they call in, in Christian circles and church the love chapters, the love chapter. And it talks about what love is, what love is not, 1 Corinthians 13. So this kid, uh, this student came up to the speaker afterwards and said um, he was victimized. And in other words, we would say in Christian circles, he felt under conviction. In other words, he thought, oh, I'm not a very loving person. So instead of like learning something from that and maybe believe, oh, maybe 1 Corinthians 13 is God's way of uh, encouraging us how to love people, how to care for people. He just felt bad because he wasn't a very loving person and went up and complained and said, I feel victimized. So let me read this response from Dr. Everett Piper once he heard ab about this incident from the speaker of the uh, chapel service that morning. He said, this past week, I actually had a student come forward after a university chapel service and complain because he felt victimized by a sermon on the topic of 1 Corinthians 13. It appears this young scholar felt offended because a homily on love made him feel bad for not showing love. In his mind, the speaker was wrong for making him and his peers feel uncomfortable. Shame on that speaker. Billy Sunday, this is an aside, this isn't what this guy said. Billy Sunday, who was a famous baseball player, pro baseball player and an, and an evangelist, said either make him sad or make him glad. I'm not making this up, said the president. Our culture has actually taught our kids to be this self-absorbed and narcissistic people. Anytime their feelings are hurt, they are the victims. Anyone who dares challenge them and thus make them makes them feel bad about themselves is a hater, a bigot, an oppressor, and a victimizer. I have a message for this young man and all others who care to listen. That feeling of discomfort you have after listening to a sermon is called a conscience. An altar call is supposed to make you feel bad. It is supposed to make you feel guilty. The goal of many a good sermon is to get you to confess your sins, not coddle you in your selfishness. The primary objective of the church and the Christian faith is your confession, not your self-actualization. So here's my advice. If you want the chaplain to tell you you're a victim rather than tell you you need virtue, this may not be the university you're looking for. If you want to complain about the sermon that makes you feel less than loving for not showing love, this might be the wrong place for you. If you're more interested in playing the hater card, than you are in confessing your own hate. If you want to arrogantly lecture rather than humbly learn, if you don't feel guilt in your soul when you are guilty of sin, 
if you want to be enabled rather than confronted, there are many universities across the land in Missouri and elsewhere that will give you exactly what you want. But Oklahoma, Wesleyan, isn't one of them. Oh, hold on just a second. My computer pop jumped. At OKWU, which is the initials for the university, we teach you to be selfless rather than self-centered. We are more interested in you practicing personal forgiveness than political revenge. We want you to model interpersonal reconciliation rather than foment personal conflict. We believe the content of your character is more important than the color of your skin. We don't believe that you have been victimized every time you feel guilty, and we don't issue trigger warnings before altar calls. Oklahoma Wesleyan is not a safe place, but rather a place to learn, to learn that life isn't about you, but about others, that the bad feeling you have while listening to a sermon is called guilt, that the way to address it is to repent of everything that's wrong with you rather than blame others for everything that's wrong with them. This is a place where you will quickly learn that you need to grow up. This is not a daycare. This is a university. Well, that's Oklahoma Wesleyan <clears throat> University. And the gentleman, the president, said that in the last 10 or 15 years, their uh, enrollment, I think he said it tripled. It went way up because I think... What's happening is there's not many colleges like this in the United States. Another college like this that would fit this bill is Hillsdale's, Hillsdale College, which I also support, in Michigan. <coughs> uh, they teach kids the Constitution. They have, they have, actually, they have online courses you can take for free. If you don't know much about the Constitution, don't even bother, bother reading it right now just go to their online course and let them teach you hour after hour about the constitution and you'll be smarter than 99 percent of your local community about the constitution now here's the sad thing for me i i got converted to christianity although i wasn't raised this way back in the early 70s and uh a lot of young people thousands and thousands and thousands tens of thousands and there was a move of God back then where lots of young people began following Jesus. The sad thing to me is that now as we're all in our <clears throat> years where we're sending kids to college or we've already sent them to college or we're sending grandkids to college is that we don't even stop to think about what the college is teaching the kids. We think, Oh, well they have a good soccer program. Oh, well they have, she's going to get a scholarship for music. We don't think anything about the topic of, or, the, or the principle or the direction or the momentum of the school. What, are, what, are, what is my kid going to get out of this? Are we, we going to get an Oberlin experience where at one time they were a strong Christian abolitionist college back in the 1800s, training, training young Christian leaders, and now it's a bunch of victimized people? Uh, who call everybody racist. It's fascinating to me how people start out. Someone once said we all start out originals, but most of us end up dying copies. And it's so true. It's fascinating to me how people forget the, 
the uh, those that are Christian forget the calling of God on their life when they were 20s and 30s and all the commitments they made to God and how fired up they were. And now they've just settled into complacency, sitting around toying with grandchildren and paying to send kids to colleges that are actually undermining the faith at every turn. They undermine the government. They're socialistic. Uh, you know, if it, it's so fast, I had a person say to me once, well, I don't want to put my kids into church daycare because I'm insecure about leaving them over there. And we got all kinds of got guards and everything with weapons and everything around the campus. You'd never know it if you drove there or visited there, but they're there because we're protecting our people. But at the same time, she would send her kid to a college and not check out the teachers and what they what they teach. We are we are more the the chances of your kid's mind being polluted is 99 percent or 100 percent higher than ever getting uh, assaulted in this country. You hear you hear about people getting assaulted, but the chances of your person getting assaulted in a Sunday school class is minuscule. You're probably a better chance of being hit by lightning. But the chance of going to a university in this country and having your kid's mind twisted, polluted, and turned against you, against Jesus, against the government, is very, very high. There's only a few colleges that will not do that. Oklahoma Wesleyan appears to be one of them. And I was unf one, one right down the road here from where I live in Marysville, California, is William Jessup University just down about 30 minutes to the south of us, uh, just past Lincoln. But there's a number of them around, but you've got to find them, and you've got to be willing to go to those as opposed to others. Maybe they don't have the same sports program. You know, it's so interesting to me. We, we will sacrifice our everything we believe in and throw our kids to the dogs, the intellectual dogs, um, rather than keep parenting right on through to, through to their complete adulthood, married and out doing their employment thing. Well, I notice <clears throat> also on July 1st, not only do we have a new gun law, but in California, because many of you voted against Proposition 6, which would have repealed the huge gas taxes of SB1, $56 billion or something like that. I don't know. It was a huge amount of money. But uh, and it also gave the legislature the uh, right to raise taxes anytime they want on gas. So here we go. On July 1, California drivers will pay automatically six more cents per gallon. So if you've got a 30 gallon tank, it's about dollar 80, right? Dollar 80 here, dollar 80 there, dollar 80 here. That's what these politicians, even our local so-called Republicans on the Board of Supervisors and City count. Well, it's just a, it's just a few dollars. It's just a couple cents. It's just a this. It's just a that. Honestly, people, when you add up, you're paying on about a hundred different items a year. Taxes. <clears throat> the reason for the price hikes, they call it an excise tax, and it's going up. Did you know that in 2017, gas went up 12 cents? Now it's going up another six cents. It was a deal made by Governor Brown, right? Supposed to fix the aging roads and roadways. You think, oh, did they run out of money? They didn't. According to Assemblyman James Gallagher, who represents Yuba and Sutter counties, and uh, other representatives, conservatives, they said they had plenty of money. They just 
they, the Democrats that run the state of California, liberals, refused to use the surplus monies they had to fix the roads because they don't like fossil fuels. They don't like cars. They don't like you. They don't mind flying jets around themselves or driving big SUVs themselves. They, they, they exempt themselves from everything. Also, the bridge tolls, if you ever go into the Bay Area, I go in there a few times a year to fly out of San Francisco, a dollar, they'd raised them a dollar. Said, oh, it's a dollar, just a dollar, a dollar, 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 dollar here, dollar there, dollar 80 per tank. All this is happening. We, we have, I think I went, I was trying, you know, they advertise, they'll say 373 is, is gas, but when you get up there, then you, it's for cash right? Or a debit card. But if you use a credit card, it's like three, another 12 cents or something. But I, right at the same time where we have by dollar or dollar and 50, we have the highest gas costs in the nation. At the same time, it used to be in, in the, the market driven economy that the more you had of a product, the cheaper it got, or that if it was more rare, it was a short supply, the more expensive it got, right? Supply and demand. Lots of supply, little demand, cheaper price, right? Big crop of avocados, cheaper price, right? So it says U.S. oil and gas output surges the most ever for a single country in the history of mankind. Remember Barack Obama said, we're running out of fossil fuel. We just got to get used to not using it. And when they said, drill, baby, drill... Sarah Palin said, drill, baby. She said, well, you know, we, we, it just takes years. Once you start drilling, you just can't just drill. You can't get oil just overnight. Well, we did. Our oil people know what they're doing. They're sharp. They're sharper than the president of the United States. Since so the U.S. natural gas and crude oil production increased last year at the fastest pace ever in the history of mankind of any country. I won't bother with all the details like 86 billion cubic meters. You probably don't unless you're working in the business. You don't. It doesn't make any sense to you. The roughest equivalent to consumption. Uh, let's see. Anyway, I want to skip that. The largest. This is the largest increase in natural gas production in a single year. So highest increase in both oil and natural gas. Do you know that the liberals who believed a fantasy and a lie that there's global warming and it's caused by humans. And so they believe that we have to quit using any natural gas and, and uh, fossil fuels like gasoline. But the fascinating thing is, is that God put that for us to use, to use for our benefit and to help us. And natural gas and fossil fuels, gasoline, has improved the lot of people throughout the entire world. And, you know, people say, oh, all the liberals, oh, people are dying. They're, they're in poverty. They only make $1 a day. What's changed that? It, there's never been, I wrote an article recently, there's never been such a quick change in bringing people out of poverty. What's happened? Fossil fuels. The use of fossil fuels, gas, natural gas, and private enterprise has brought more people, millions, hundreds of hundreds of millions of people move from just hand-to-mouth survival to actually doing quite well. So <clears throat> he's the uh, global chief economist for British Petroleum, or what we would call BP. 
He said, what you saw last year was really quite amazing. This amazing, unique double first for the U.S. This is pretty astonishing growth, and I don't think this is some sort of unique aberration. This is a function of the U.S. shale revolution, S-H-A-L-E, not shell, shale, in both hum- uh, both oil and natural gas. It's alive and well, and it's powering strongly. You remember, I remember when I did the radio show, I had the... Uh, the uh, president of Breitling Oil, you can look them up on the uh, Internet. They're out of Texas. And I don't know why he chose to call our show, but uh, he wanted to be interviewed. And it was an amazing interview. He just said, remember, it was a down, the, the economy had collapsed. And Obama came into power and he said, we're going to go green en- energy and this fossil fuel, we can't do this. Da, 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 da. And so what happened is the the Kaufman, I think his name was, came on from Brightling Well. He just said we can drill our way out of this. We can put all our people back to work and just in the in the energy industry. And he was exactly right. He was exactly right. That's what happened. All of a sudden we've figured out new ways to get oil out of the ground that we could not get it out before. That's called technology and innovation and, and being an entrepreneur. So he said the largest increase in oil production in a, senior, in a single year, the jump in the production of, of the, the, the liberals would say the polluting fossil fuels happened three decades after nations included the U.S. Uh, set up the United Nations framework to try to save the climate. You know something? We don't need to save the damn climate. Just let the climate be. Stay out of the climate. Just just go to the grocery store and go to the baseball, cook your hot dogs, Watch your television. Do whatever you do. You're not doing anything to the climate. So he, this one conclusion is the figures, these, these uptick in production will stoke angst. That means people get all anxiety in those continuing negotiations where countries are seeking to collaborate and tighten greenhouse gas targets. You know something? One major forest fire in California causes more pollution than all the cars in California do in 10 years. Hold that thought, all you liberals out there that want to just let the forest go wild and not manage the forest and just let them burn up every few years. It's just it's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Well, we're going to take a break here, and uh, this is our second uh, section we're finishing. And... Uh, I skipped over something I should have done, so I'm going to do it next time. All this talk about reparations, you know, at the Congress. I, there's a famous NFL champion, Burgess Owens. I'm going to play that when we come back first thing. And uh, But we're, you're going to hear about Elon Omar, uh, who is a corrupt Muslim who basically wants to destroy the United States. And we got her in our Congress. So check that out. We'll be right back. And uh, don't leave me now. Hey, folks, here's a story about Minnie the Butcher. She was a low-down please. This is about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's removal from the Foreign Affairs Committee. The recent fiasco surrounding Ilhan Omar's rampant anti-Semitism has been out of control. But is it really a surprise? 
Absolutely not. Seven years ago, she tweeted, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. Just one month after assuming office, she tweeted, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. She says that money is the only reason one would choose to support Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East. Seriously, Ilhan? The bottom line is, Ilhan Omar has been a raging anti-Semite her entire professional life. It's just now, finally, being exposed. Let's face it, had a Republican elected official been spewing anti-Semitic narratives, the media would have launched an all-out assault which would have resulted in a well-deserved resignation. But we're not dealing with the left's go-to old white male Republican boogeyman when it comes to Omar. Instead, we're dealing with a radical Islamic black woman who has been given every possible pass by the same crowd that hurls absurd accusations of Nazism at anyone who dares to disagree with their worldview. The truth is, anti-Semites like Omar have far more in common with the KKK than any sitting Republican at the moment, given her disgraceful anti-Semitic beliefs and support for terrorist organizations like the PLO and Hamas. Ilhan has no business serving in Congress, let alone on the Foreign Affairs Committee, which is why I need your help. Please click on the link in this post and demand Omar's removal from the Foreign Affairs Committee. This is a matter of national security. Share this far and wide. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. Hey, I wanted to mention to you uh, and uh, recognize some of the people that <clears throat> are keeping us on the air. I was just talking to Monty Hecker yesterday on the phone <clears throat> and kept getting uh, caught up on what's up with him. And I said, Monty, it seems like your business is booming at Elite Universal Security. He said, it's, it is. I'm trying to find uh, workers all the time on his website. <clears throat> Uh, the, the website at Elite Universal Security, it says current openings, federal armed officer, Butte County, Lathrop and Sacramento. Those are different areas around California. Patrol officer, Butte County, Yuba and Sutter areas. Armed officer, Butte County and Yuba Sutter areas. Part-time officers, all areas. He just told me he's got jobs that are going to be working up in the state of Oregon. I was telling him he needs to help me over behind my house. I got it behind Popeye's restaurant that's now defunct. They moved out after they took over for Kentucky Fried. I got all kinds of homeless. We got Popeye's uh, camp campground over there. Now they're starting fires on top of the asphalt. Looks like some urban jungle over there. Tweakers all night. Dogs barking. People screaming at each other. So EliteUniversalSecurity.com, they help me stay on the air financially <clears throat> they contribute to this program and he also uh, they also helped me overseas in working with the poor in vietnam 
helping me buy eyeglasses uh, for people that, you know, cheaters, uh, where people in the villages don't have any eye care. You thought, oh, man, they became communists in 1975. They don't have any health care in the villages? No. You know where they get it from? Veterans from the Vietnam War flying over there uh, called Vets with a Mission, <clears throat> and they are building little health care operations throughout the, the rural Vietnam. You go in the big city, yeah, there's hospitals. But most people can't even afford to get to the big city in socialist Vietnam. You know, some of you socialist kids out there. EliteUniversalSecurity.com. You can check out what's shaken with security business if you want to get involved, if you want to get a job. Or maybe you need some help because right now, even though we have law enforcement, we have police officers, we have sheriff's departments. But when you have politicians that said, don't arrest these homeless, if a guy pisses on the street or takes a dump don't arrest him if he's sleeping if he's sleeping and vomiting don't arrest him if he's doing this if he's doing that uh don't arrest him if if he's loaded just cite and release uh maybe maybe uh people are intimidating females right they at shopping centers where you go in to get maybe you need to buy a uh, pick up a prescription or something at a drugstore, but you get hit up going in, or you're going, going to your favorite coffee shop or your bank, and you get hit up going in. And people are intimidating that aren't looking sharp, right? So what's happening is, is the security business is booming. Why? Because we don't follow the same rules in society. We become a third world country, right? That means where things are out of control, and we're not managed by law and order. Take a drive around Marysville or Yuba City and see if you see law and order. Is there any order out there? I got people crapping right on the other side of my fence. I got people vomiting right across within 15 feet of my property line, laying on the ground just vomiting uh, and wondering whether they're going to die or not on me, right? That's not law and order, right? I got people stealing stuff off my front porch. That's not law and order, right? So the police are basically got to stand down uh charge from the politicians so i don't blame law enforcement so what you need now is you need a security company to come in and and take care of people tell them to move on i don't because what's happening is i have people i'm downtown marysville and i have people say i no longer go to walgreens or cvs downtown here because i get harassed every single time it's not like once in 10 times it's every single time somebody is there to hit you up hit you up hit you up Going into food establishments, you know, it's just a constant harassment. So you can, if you want to go to work, uh, you can for these guys. Or you can, <clears throat> if you even want to learn how to uh, do some of your police training, you want to go into the police business, you can take some of their courses through api-academy.com, api-academy. So they and if you want to get a concealed weapon permit, they'll hook you up. They'll do the training for you, and they have training coming up this month. And I'm going to give you the dates, July 13th and 14th, that's a weekend, and July 26th and July 27th, that's a weekend. And then they'll do, uh, they'll, on the second day of those weekends, they'll do renewals. If you just need to do a renewal, you just need to do the one-day deal. So... Um, also, they're going to do a taser and pepper spray class training. The other day, we went going over to Juvenile Halls to speak, and one of the guys coming in on his keychain, he had some pepper spray. They said, hey, 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 you can't leave that here. And he said, yeah, he said, I, I do door-to-door -door sales, so I'm dealing with dogs and stuff. I carry pepper spray. So if you need 
taser class or pepper spray you, on July 6th. Uh, they're going to be doing that. The other thing is, if you ever need a live scan and you got it, then you got it. It's a hassle because you got to phone the law enforcement. Because I was over at Yuba County Sheriff the other day briefing sheriff's deputies on how to use trauma intervention. And I noticed a sign in the window said, these are the ta- days and times that you can get a life scan. So it's good, you know, but, but you got to know those days and times and you got to call over there to make, you know, figure them out if you hadn't been there like I was. The difference is that at uh, Elite Universal Security, you can go get it anytime. You can get a live scan every day over there, all day. And uh, also they'll do motor, mobile notary services. So you can dial them up. They're located here in Yuba County at 7490280. That's a 530 area code. 7490280. Want to thank them for helping me with my trip to Vietnam, where we're going to like help people in a variety of ways. Some I can tell you about, some I can't. But we're going to throw some hundreds of pairs of glasses on people that used to be able to see well. Boy, I, I sure um, am happy that I have glasses. I've had bad eyes from the start. I just got a bad deck right from the start. So uh, check out Amani Hecker, Elite Universal Security. You want a job? They got you a job. They got you a job over there. So check it out and uh, have yourself a good old time. Well, let's see what I want to go to next. Oh, I got to do, you know, these colleges, honestly, people, I feel bad. You're paying 20, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 sending kids to school. And they are totally getting a bill of goods, a, a box of rocks. So in the University of Oregon, you know, usually you hear about these schools because they're athletics, right? You hear their football team or baseball team or something. So they have in the University of Oregon, because at one time, as the, the nation began to be settled by Europeans and other nationalities coming in here on the East Coast, uh, there were people that began to explore westward, uh, and and so they were pioneers. They called them pioneers, right? So they have a, a statue, a large statue of a pioneer. It's just a guy, right? It, a guy dressed like and probably leathers and stuff and cap. I'm looking at a photo. He's got a gun strapped to his back and a walking stick. So students are offended by this now, which in faculty are just, they just can't take it. They get up in the morning and they just wet their pants and they, uh, they poop and they just poop all over themselves. They can't take it. They walk by the statue and this guy, he doesn't say anything. It's just this, like, I don't know whether it's bronze or some kind of metal. And it, it just, they break out like an it, they get itchy, you know? And, uh, so they want to remove the statue of an American pioneer. And according to the university, the statue represents the framing of history from only one culture perspective. Now, I don't know how you do this. There's always multiple perspectives on the culture. So how do you incorporate all the perspectives in one statue? Now, it's interesting that some up, I think up in Seattle, Washington, that one of the universities has a statue like this one of Karl Marx, the founder of communism. Now, that's now, somehow, that didn't get torn down, right? So you can see where all this is going. So they're considering to removing this statue, along with other art and plaques that the staff and students, they just can't take it. They're there to study biology, math, uh, speech, uh, education. 
But but they just can't take it. Walking around campus, they just say, we can't, we just can't hang with this. So they're up in arms, the article says, about this statue of a pioneer on campus. So now they've created a task force. I just hate, the, you know, some guy, uh, I had a good friend of mine speaking at jail this week, and he said, oh, Lou, you should get involved in this task force to change the community. I said, I'm done with task force. I'm done with people talk, 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 eat a tuna sandwich, drink a cup of coffee, spend five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 and accomplish Get one person off the streets. I said, I do that in my sleep, get a person off the street. In fact, last week I hauled two people, kept them off the street, took one to a drug rehab, and took one uh, to get her, drove her an hour to get her to a place because she didn't have any place to go. Then I arranged for another guy to get hauled, or lady to get hauled to San Francisco. I did it in my sleep. Come on. All these people, oh, yeah, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to control all the resources in the community and have it all controlled and it's going to be all beautiful and we're going to have a utopia come on man i'm just lived too long it's just it's just bs so anyway the pioneer is a symbol championing the mysticism anyway i'm not even going to go into this. it's just it's just a bunch of crap now have you ever wondered People say, I see some, I meet some stupid people. I had a gal my age. I was at a, an event. I forget where, some kind of, I was with somebody, some kind of people were over at some house. can't even remember where it was, outside the area. I was out of the area. And the gal said, well, what do you think? I don't know what to do about the border. You know, what are we going to do? We're just going to turn those people around. We're going to let them in. We're going to let them out. What's going to happen? What, can we just take them all in? What, what, are we racist? Honestly, people, we have lost our friggin' minds. So in the in the early days of immigration, 1700s, 1800s, if you could make it to Ellis Island in New York and you could pass the health test, you could come here. But everything was on you. There was no free anything. You had to actually work for a living. And so typically people would come and there would be a sponsor, like a relative that's already been here, and they would help them, give them a place to stay, give them some job leads. But if they couldn't make it, they went back home. There was no free education. If you had a baby, you had to feed it yourself. We didn't pay for that. You had to, get, you had to pay for your own education, your own kid's education. There was no subsidized housing. It was subsidized because you slept in a room with your relatives. So all of a sudden now, <clears throat> we've slid into this thing over the last several decades. If a person can get here, whether they come in legally or not, they can, they can cash in on all the welfare. Does that make sense to you? We are literally spending hundreds of billions of dollars a year on people who don't even belong here. They're a citizen of another country. I'm going to Vietnam pretty soon, and they are not going to pay any of my way over there. In fact, I can't even take a job over there unless I get a special permit. But I got to pay for everything I want over there. There is no free lunch there. So Mr. Trump, who most hate, or many hate, he is doing what many of us feel should have been done by either party, but no party has got the Spaldings to do it. And that is to revive the no welfare rule. If you in, in the green card process now that it's in the law, 
It's amazing how things are in the law. It's just like it's in the law that you can't go out and urinate and poop all over everybody, but they don't enforce it. Politicians say you can't, oh, you got to let them sleep behind your house. Politicians aren't letting them sleep behind their house. Oh, they live up somewhere else. And we pay them $80,000 a year to be stupid. President Donald Trump is shaking up the nation's green card process. A green card is your card to work. It's a process to get it by warning legal, legal immigrants and citizens not to recklessly sponsor foreigners. You can f- sponsor foreigners, you know, who cannot pay their way in the United States. The warning reflects the White House's emphasis on curbing the award of green cards and citizenship to unskilled or poor immigrants who will burden Americans by consuming more government aid and welfare than they produce in taxes. People say, oh, they're all paying taxes. So what? So what? I don't care whether they're paying taxes or not. They should be. The question is how much they sucking out of the system. It's kind of like the car dealer who said, the, you know, the car dealer that went broke. He said, we lose money on every deal, the sign on the wall. We lose money on every deal, but we make it up in volume. It's the definition of stupid. Under prior, prior presidents, Barack, George Bush, migrants in the United States. You think George Bush, either of the Bushes were conservative? Honestly, you've been smoking weed too much. Under all these conservative and liberal presidents, they've been allowed, people have been allowed to freely apply for green cards via, via the adjustment of status process. And while they're in that process, they're supposed to be warned you cannot tap into uh, social welfare system. But they, but they waive that. They just said, oh, you can go ahead and do it. That's a, you know, have you ever been in deals? Oh, well, the, this is what the rule is. But just forget about it. We'll, we'll waive it today, right? So roughly 550,000 people each year, including many illegals and people who overstay their legal visa, get involved in this AOS, adjustment of status thing. Officials will now enforce the sponsorship rules, said Ken Cuccinelli, the new head of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service. On June 14, he issued a warning statement on Twitter. Officers will now be required to remind individuals at their adjustment of status interviews of their sponsor's responsibility under existing law. What is that responsibility? It's to pay their way and get them off the government dole. They don't deserve my taxes to pay for them. And it's legal and enforceable. We'll see whether they actually enforce it. Maybe Donald Trump will actually, you know, he's talking about removing a million people. The president has made it a priority to ensure that every individual who seeks to come to the United States is self-sufficient, temporarily or permanently. The principle of self-sufficiency has been enshrined in our immigration laws since the 1800s. Then why aren't they enforcing them? Same Same reason they don't enforce vagrants, harassing females. What kind of a sissy government do we got? You can't even protect children and females. I don't need their damn protection. I'll shoot the sucker, right? He gets in my face. I'll shoot somebody. I don't, re- I don't really care. But, but you can't even protect females. I got a, a gal that, that lives around the corner. She said, I, Lou, I feel, I feel at night I don't want to cross 10th Street and go over to Walgreens or CVS because I think I'm going to get hit up by a guy. She's about 20 years old, 19 or 20. 
That's ridiculous. It's totally it's a small town. That is ridiculous. And she has legitimate reason to she's not paranoid. There's people out that are crazy around here. And nobody is doing uh, the principle of self-sufficiency has been enshrined in our immigration laws since the 1800s. And we as an agency must ensure that immigrants who become part of this great country abide by the principle. If no one is going to hold anybody accountable into the law, we got nothing in this country. You got laws? Oh, yeah, it's against the law. Nobody arrested them. Nobody did anything. You know, we got some city of Marysville harassing a friend of mine. They got some bark behind their house. They they had some bark dumped off. A friend of them dumped some bark off, you know, landscape bark. So the city's been harassing them. They do not harass the people within 25 feet or 50 yards around the there. They got they got uh, shacks built out of cardboard and plywood. They started a fire the other day. They got propane tanks. The whole the whole thing is a camp. And, and they bought they they, they de- dealt with the bark. They come over and say, hey, you can't have this bark pile. Are you kidding me? You're going to what about the shit over there that you don't do anything about piles of crap all over there? Dogs barking all night. Don't do anything. What kind of country? What kind of country? What kind of city is this? Totally chaotic. Absolutely chaotic. So we'll see whether the Obama administration or the, the Trump administration actually does something. And it's interesting that you think, how come, you know, just average citizens out earning a living, paying your taxes, obeying the law, following all the rules, trying to keep your kids off drugs, and you wonder, How can people come over here from a foreign country and sign up for welfare? You remember the the Boston bombers? Their mother was on welfare and all kinds of food stamps and Section 8 housing and all the benefits. They got hundreds of thousands of dollars of benefits, then turned around, hated America, and tried to blow up innocent people. Now, that's what we get out of this thing. It's totally crazy. So we're coming to the And shoot, I forgot to do that clip again. I'm losing my mind here today. So uh, we're going to, I'm going to play you a clip. I'm going to have to adjust this thing. So if you you ever wondered about the national debt, you even care about the national debt, the numbers, you just just go blurry-eyed the national debt. Check this out. This gal talks about both parties. Don't give a rip about the national debt. We'll come back, and I'm going to play this clip right away. I promise you'll like this clip because it's before the nutcases at the House of Representatives, the Congress, talking about somehow hundreds of years ago somebody was a slave, but today we're going to pay some black kid some money because somebody that was black back hundreds of years ago was a slave. Stupid. Totally stupid. We'll be right back. down this road many times in the past and this time the trip going by so fast every stop blood every street why do i get the sense that i am the only one who cares about your money democrats especially the socialist variety are all too eager to steal your hard-earned riches and crumbs and republicans are sadly no better 
And don't take my golden word for it. Listen to that frustrated pile of curls, Rand Paul. When the Democrats are in power, Republicans appear to be the conservative party. But when Republicans are in power, it seems there is no conservative party. The hypocrisy hangs in the air and chokes anyone with a sense of decency or intellectual honesty. The dirty little secret is that by and large, both parties don't care about the debt. They don't care about the debt. It's a secret. And he's absolutely right. Both parties have gotten used to their irresponsible spending bender. And they're betting they'll be thrown out of office long before the bill comes to pay off this immoral, unconscionable spending jag that will bring on third world austerity faster than poop through a goose. And that's fast. So far this fiscal year, which, as you know, started last October, the deficit has ballooned to porky 39% over last year to $739 billion. The total deficit for 2018 was $779 billion, so we're breaking records and the bank. Sure, tax cuts have brought in more revenue with a tight labor market and fewer unemployment benefits going out. But even though it's raining receipts, it's all leaving faster than it's coming in. And somehow that's just like my prom night and the whole thing's going to end in lonely tears. The Government Accountability Office calls our cash addiction unsustainable, but both parties are operating like that's a made-up word and deficits are a theoretical hurdle you overcome by printing more money. This year, the president proposed a $4.7 trillion budget, which seems like an absurd and laughable amount, but it's pretty tame when you consider President Bernie Sanders would fork over $3.2 trillion a year on a health care scam on top of that impossible number with no way to pay for it. You can't shout from the mountaintops against the ills of socialism when your sick urges are entirely socialistic. So for now, Congress will keep ordering tanks we don't need and F-35s that don't fly. They'll quarantine fruit flies, which is not a cute euphemism for me and my friends at dance clubs during Pride Month, while using the change in the cushions to scare snakes out of trees in Guam. That's all true. That Tea Party wave is all but dried up as solitary surfers like Rand Paul warn us of the coming tsunami of unfunded debt. They're not hanging 10, but the Congress should be hanging their heads in shame for their constant and shameful fiscal misconduct. And that's the memo. But you don't have to look so sad. Did somebody make a fool? All right, welcome back. I, uh, at church uh, Saturday night, one of my friends who actually is an ele electrical engineer, graduated in electrical engineering, <clears throat> he used to have an alcohol problem. Maybe you consider, some people say once you're an addict, you're always an addict. But he had, when I met him, he was a, an alcoholic, big time. It was controlling his entire life. So, uh, but now he's better. In fact, he just went down to Cuba with a team from the church to uh, do a construction project. Fascinating. You know, all you that love Cuba, I love the people. I don't love the government. But a lot of those crazy female liberals go down there and tell everybody what a wonderful, what a wonderful experiment they're having down there. 
everybody's so literate and they all have great health care. I, I don't see any politicians from the United States flying to Cuba to get <clears throat> a heart transplant or a or get a new knee. So uh, you people are full of crap out there. So anyway, my friend Michael said, hey, I was listening to your show on podcast, and he said it was somebody else talking. And I said, well, Michael, sometimes somebody else does talk because I get tired of talking. And uh, so I play a clip that I think is smarter than I am, and it will be helpful to people to learn that because they may not have found that on their own. So he goes, oh, maybe that's what that maybe that's what I tapped into. But before I play this, I'm going to play this thing that they had all these people they were interviewing in Congress. Yes or no on reparations. That means where we pay people hundreds of years later for something bad that happened to somebody they claim was an ancestor of theirs. If you want to go on. uh, You can go on the territorial dispatch dot B.I.Z. I read it wrote an article on that that slavery uh let's see how did i term it the title was fathers not slavery uh is the problem and it's about all these hucksters these black hucksters and liberal white hucksters that keeps saying well we owe all this you know we owe this uh, quotas for college and all these special systems to push blacks up because something happened 200 years ago. Totally foolish. And uh, so you can read an article I wrote about that. It'll actually be on my on our website as well at nohostagesradio.com. If you want to read it there, it'll be up. Uh, both of these, uh, this, this show, and <clears throat> they'll be up on... Uh, as of, let's see, June, probably 22nd. That's when they'll go up. But you can you can uh, get, get it also at the territorialdispatch.biz and read all about it. Um, so I'm going to play you a clip in a minute here about a very fine man. I, I, had, I remember his name. His name's Burgess, uh, Burgess Owens, and he was a... Very, you know, top of the mark uh, NFL player at one time, but he's very sharp guy. But during this uh, typical of liberals, there had a, another guy that I didn't take time to listen to, but another black man who spoke against reparations, and the people in the in the uh, in the chambers actually booed him. I thought how, that's typical liberal tolerance or intolerance, right? In other words, as long as you agree with them, we'll tolerate you. If you disagree with us, we we will intolerate you, right? So before we do that, I want to mention my friend Dave Greenitz. And uh, Dave, uh, I, w- I, was, I'm on, I have a Facebook site, right? Some youngsters started it for me years ago. They thought I needed one when it first started. I'd, I'd taken them to China and Vietnam. <clears throat> we got to be friends. They're from Idaho, Boise. And they said, oh, Lou, we want to keep in contact. This is how to do it. I said, how do you want to do it? You want my phone number? Oh, no, no, we're going to start a Facebook site for you. So they did. So now I'm connected with a few people. 
And um, so, so I, I'm connected to Greenitz Construction, Dave Greenitz, who supports this show very generously. And uh, he also does some amazing uh, remodel work in the area. And the cool thing is, I don't even have to go out on the job site. He shows it to me on Facebook or on his website, and he does these before and after shots. And I thought, every time I see one, I think, I imagine my kitchen looking like that, right? My my kitchen is 1937 vintage. <laughs> I still got the same sink. It's like old. It's been like the, Dave tuned it up for me a little bit, but he didn't give me the full meal deal because I wasn't going to pay for it, right? But but they they fixed a lot of things to make them work better, like my stove. Put in a new stove with you know. Anyway, I won't get I won't bore you with the details because it isn't that interesting. But but he describes how they take these old kitchens they're not like classic old kitchens they're just they just look old right like oh that's an old that was from the 70s or 80s or 50s or 70s you know anyway so then he and then they show you the before and after i love before and don't you love before and after pictures you love looking at people this is before me this is when i 15 years ago 350 pounds now you're like look like arnold schwarzenegger back in his day right before and after so he does this on his kitchens and baths and it's just it's just amazing to me i just think oh i i love i love that where you can people can envision things like that they can envision the end result and come up with these amazing i, I just they create kitchens and baths today that i just i guess somebody would say to die for but i wouldn't really die for it Anyway, uh, he does great work, and you can check it out on yourself. You can sneak up on him at greenitzconstruction.com or at Dave Greenitz Construction, uh, just Facebook it, and, uh, and you'll see his feed there. And uh, So if, you, if you're actually from the old school, you're like a baby boomer and you're trying to upgrade your house, you're, you actually know how to communicate and talk on the phone. So you could actually dial the phone, right, instead of dial, or you could just touch the phone. We use these all old terms like ring me up, dial me up. There's really no dials anymore. 530-682-9602. So 530-682-9602, that's Greenitz Construction. Dave actually does what he says he's going to do. That's hard to find nowadays, right? And and uh, he actually, there's this beautiful kitchen he just did. And he said, oh, by the way, we put a new door on the refrigerator because we he must have like dinged it or something. He said, we even have problems sometimes, but we always make things right. So this beautiful stainless steel uh, refrigerator, I thought, man, that's a, that, that refrigerator's probably cost more than my car. That's a nice looking refrigerator. But he said, we even covered that as well. It was a beautiful kitchen. So um, Dave does primarily remodels. <clears throat> the other thing, it, I was raised in an 1,100 square foot house and in East Marysville. And five of us lived in that house. It seemed big to me, but uh, my parents at, at one point said, let's add a deck. And they built this redwood deck, and uh, it was cool. I loved that deck. You just walked right straight out. It was a built-up house. Not a, it was on a wood, wood floor, so it was up, but we had a, you, know, you could go under the house, so it wasn't a concrete on the, on the ground. So you walked, you just opened the door and walked straight out on the deck. No steps down, no steps up. It was really nice. So it just added another, like, I don't know whether it was 400, 500 feet of deck. And then it 
and it pitched off down to a patio, concrete patio. So it was very nice because you could barbecue out there at night. You can sit out at night and catch a breeze and and uh, just hang out, right? Play cards, do play games, hang out during the day, at night, whatever. So you, it, it expanded our whole uh, living situation. We had part of our living was outside, part of our living was inside, and I uh, had shrubbery around it. It was very, very nice. So Dave Green, it's nowadays, I had a deck over here at my house, and after many years, uh, I've lived here so long, that the Redwood deck we put in, same kind of idea, uh, it wore out. And But now they got these decks that are kind of, Dave said, they're bulletproof. They, like, last forever. And uh, they put them down with screws and just, like, they're 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 gnarly. I mean, they, they hang. So uh, he's good at decks. And if you want to, like, like, I got a cool door in the front of my house. It's old. And some of my friends came over the other day, and they said, Lou, we need to freshen that door up. We're going to put a new coat of something, something on it, make it look better. I said, fine, do that. Made it Made the whole entry look better. So Dave can put you in a new door. You think, oh, this old door is funky. Or it's all never fits right, or it's kind of old. You know, kind of, it's just cheap. But you could a lot of times you can put a brand new door on there, and makes it really, it makes the whole house look better. And the other thing this time of year, because PG&E has lost their ever friggin' mind. PG&E is about sixty percent higher, and and now they want to turn off the power every once in a while, like Tijuana. They just turn off the power. They we got some notices the other day, so we're thinking about turning off the power because the, it's the wind's blowing. I thought, you know something? We had better service in the 1950s in California utilities than we have in the 2019. Now we got, they're so cheap, they can't keep the trees off the lines. So now they just shut down all the power. They said, well, you know, now we're got, actually going to be forced to go get generators and businesses Big, what do you do with a business? You know, right now at the hospital, you, like you go to the sheriff's department or the hospital or any of the places that cannot afford to not have power. They got backup, big, big backup generators. They're the size of the back of a truck. And when something goes down, those things fire up and they're off and running. That's going to, now businesses are going to have to put in massive generators to, that are run on diesel to power electricity, what are you going to do? Just send 20 to 30? I have a friend that uh, they build uh, harvesters, mechanical harvesters, and they ship them all over the world. And, and the other day I was out there visiting him, and he said, Lou, we have uh, over 100 uh, employees. And most of them are welding and, you know, they're, they're fabricating from scratch. They're like building cars, but they're harvesters. If that thing, if the utilities get turned off out there, what are you going to do? Tell a hundred people they got to go home, and what? How are you going to pay them? You, you, you got to pay them for the whole day. I don't know what. It just gets complicated. It screws your whole business up. You got a utility company that is returning to a third world, poverty dictatorship type country, instead of a mod, instead of getting better in mod, modernization, etc. It's crazy. So anyhow, uh, Greenitz can put in what they call a whole house fan. I'd never heard of that. And then Dave said, told me a number of years ago, 10 years ago or more, he said, you know, Lou, we're putting in all a lot of these whole house fans. I said, I don't even know what that is. What is that? He said, we suck. You put it up in the attic, sucks all the air, hot air out. And it's, it's not a, it's not a compressor. So it's just a fan. It just, it's cheap to run. 
and it sucks the hot air out and pulls cool air in. And then you don't have to run your your refrigerated air unit, right? So they can do those. I'm telling you, you guys in the valley here, PG&E is, your PG&E's bill is going to be three, dollars $400. That's just the way that is. So uh, we're going to take a break right now, and, and uh, I'm going to play this um, finally. I'm finally going to play it. I promise you two, two sections in a row. We're now on our fourth of sixth, and we're going to play Burgess Owens being uh, given testimony before the House of Representatives. This Burgess Owens has got more class than all those goofy congressmen, those perverts up there, all together. So, okay, we're going to take a listen here and be right back. At this point, this is not about black and white, uh, rich or poor, blue collar, white collar. We're fighting for the heart and soul of our nation. We have a very, very special country that started with the Judeo-Christian values that allowed every single generation to become better than the last. And that has not ended. That has not stopped. Until now, we're telling our kids a little bit something different, that they don't have the opportunities that we had. I'm going to talk about some ideologies. And when I talk about them, I'm not talking about people. People change. I used to be a Democrat until I did my history and found out the, 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 the misery that that party brought to my race. So when I talk about these ideologies, ideologies don't change, people do. We are fighting for the heart and soul of our nation against socialism, Marxism, and the evil that it has brought to us in the stealing of our history. Karl Marx said it best, the uh, Arthur, the father of socialism, an atheist, anti-Semite, and a blatant racist, yet we teach his philosophy in our school systems today. He said it, the first battleground is rewriting of our history. You steal our history, you steal our pride in our past, our appreciation for our present, and our vision for our future. And every single urban city in our country is now experiencing that loss. Real quick history, because these are things we're not taught. I'm blessed to be the great-great-grandfather of Silas Burgess, came here in the belly of a slave ship, sold in Charleston, South Carolina with his mother to the Burgess Plantation. An evil, evil man that drove my, my great-great-great-grandmother either to leaving her family, her kids, or uh, committing suicide. I don't know. She disappeared. But South at eight of age, eight, age of eight, was blessed to be surrounded by men who believed in freedom. Even though they were shackled, they escaped. They went the southern route of the Underground Railroad facilitated by white and Mexican-Americans. And he's made his way out south to Texas. He ended up being a successful entrepreneur, owned 102 acres of land, paid off in two years. Started the first black church, the first black elementary school. Pillar of his community, 18 kids, Christian, Republican. His first son was Alpha Omega, proud American an example of what happens when any race, any culture is given hope, opportunity, and freedom. It didn't end there, by the way. The history of our black country, of our black Americans, has been stolen from us for decades, almost over a century. Booker T. Washington, 1882, began Tuskegee University. By 1905, it was producing more self-made black millionaires than Harvard, Yale, and Princeton combined. 
the 40s, 50s, and 60s, it was a black, country, a black community that led our country in the growth of the middle class, led our country in terms of the men committed to marriage, over 70%, now it's 30%. Led our country in terms of the committed to business ownership, 40%, now it's 3.8%. Men matriculated from college. We now have more, a higher percentage of men in, in, in incarcerated in college. It is, by the way, my degree was biology. And that, I learned a long time ago that slavery is not a gene in the DNA helix. It's our actions, it's our attitude, it's our belief. I do not believe in reparation, because what reparation does, it points to a certain race, a certain color, and it, and it points them as evil, and points the other race, my race, as one that is not only becomes racist, but, the, the, but also beggars. I do believe in restitution. Let's point to the party that was, that was part of slavery, KKK, Jim Crow, that has killed over 40% of our black babies, 20 million of them. State of California, 75% of our black boys cannot pass standard reading and writing tests, a democratic state. So yes, let's pay rest, 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 restoration. Let's pay rest, restitution. How about a democratic party pay for all the misery brought to my race, and uh, those, after, after we learn our history, decide to uh, stay there, they, they should pay also, they're complicit. And every white American, Republican or Democrat, that feels guilty because of your white skin, you should need to pony up also. That way we can get past this reparation and recognize that this country has given us greatness. Look at this panel. It doesn't matter how we think. The fact is, it doesn't matter our color. We have become successful in this country like no other because of this great opportunity to live the American dream. Let's not steal that from our kids by telling them they can't do it. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed uh, Burgess Owens as much as I did. What a quality guy. What a quality guy this is. So, uh, but the craziness, we got to go through this. The Because, uh, <clears throat> you know, when Trump uh, took over the White House, uh, the conservatives, or I, I'm being generous with that term, the Republicans won the House and the Senate. <clears throat> but in the next election, the two years later, the, uh, you know, there's certain senators, they don't all get reelected or elected at the same time. They, they stagger it. So that the next time the election came up two years later, <clears throat> uh, the Democrats regained control of the House. That means that they they run all these committees, and unfortunately, that's what's going on right now. And they've lost their they've lost their mind, and so now they're they're going to give uh, reparations a final big uh, debate, and see if they can convince people to start giving away your and my tax money uh, to people that do not deserve it at all. So uh, I just wanted to mention here we got a few minutes left in this uh, fourth segment that uh, there's so much money in the United States. And the sad thing is, and I'm going to talk about hopefully before it's over today, maybe I'll jump down and do it right after the break, but about the huge waste in the Pentagon. I, I, I'm just so saddened that, you know, I'm, I, I definitely am a big supporter of law enforcement and the military. Thank God for them. That's why we've been safe all these years. But honestly, the waste and the dishonesty is uh, shameful. 
But there's an article here that this whole thing with global warming and pollution has people, they just got a flat spot on the brain. It says Obama administration wasted $4 million trying to prove that pollution helped make, make kids obese. Do you have any problem with understanding how people get fat? Is that, a, is that confusing to you? Did you, if, if that's confusing to you, I think you're a recent graduate of public education. According to the Washington Free Beacon, in 2013, former President Obama, his Environmental Protection Agency, also known as the EPA, awarded $4,146,000 in change and a grant to University of Southern California. Now, you can see the corruption here. If scientists or university professors are dependent on these grants, then they're going to do their best to come back with, with an answer that meets up with the agenda of the funder. In this case, it was the Environmental Protection Agency, which means they want to show, they want to continue to show that the environment is, is, is uh, damaging humans. The grant's purpose was to fund a five-year study to search for a link between near roadway air pollution, in other words, saying that near roadway, if people live near a roadway, like I, I do, I live about 20 feet from a roadway, but I do not have obesity problems. So they're saying if a child lives near a roadway, which almost all children do, right, is this stupid or what? then that's why they're fat. Surprise, surprise, the studies, they, the study did everything they could to say uh, other, but they had to say they came up with no connection. But they said what they always do. Well, but, you know, we need to do more research. Obviously they do, right? It's like a heroin addict. Yes, I, I need some more heroin. So we have this, pro, we've had this prostitute pimp connection between government agencies funding scientists, quote, quotes around the scientists. Uh, and so they do their best to comply and to agree with the agenda being, being driven here. The American Journal of Clinical Nutrition published a study earlier this year in which it pointed out that researchers were not able to connect air pollutant exposure to childhood obesity. Does anyone out there actually believe that eating more calories, consuming more calories than you burn off probably adds to your weight? It's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a stretch, but it might be the fact that if you actually consume more calories than you burn off, they'll probably go around your butt, your thighs, depending on what your DNA is. You may get thunder thighs or the big butt or your chest or your big belly, it just all accumulates, right? Because you don't, you're eating more than you're burning off. Future studies are warranted to identify specific air pollutant chemicals that could have a causal effect on altering children's dietary behavior. You know, people, this, we have lost our minds in this country. I'll come back. Uh, we're at the end of our uh, fourth segment here. We'll come back on a fifth seg segment, try to clean this up and move on to something else. 
So thank you. And uh, let's see, what are we doing here now? Holy mackerel. I've lost my, lost my place. Oh, this is good. This is good. If you ever thought, hey, you know, it's interesting that Trump has got to, so many uh, covers pulled off from people doing screwy things back in Washington that the Republicans hate him as much as the Democrats. This is the inconvenient truth about the Republican Party. Check this out, and then we'll be right back. You give your love so sweetly Tonight the light of love is in your eyes Racist, sexist, Republican, these words are virtually interchangeable, at least according to most professors, journalists, and celebrities. So are they right? Let's take a look at history. The Republican Party was created in 1854. The first Republican Party platform adopted at the party's first national convention in 1856 promised to defeat, quote, those twin relics of barbarism, polygamy, and slavery. Those twin relics were spreading into the Western territories Republicans feared that as those territories became states, polygamy and slavery might become permanent parts of American life. Polygamy, the marriage of one man to multiple women, devalued women and made them a kind of property. Slavery, of course, did the same to blacks, literally. The Democrats were so opposed to the Republicans and their anti-slavery stance that in 1860, just six weeks after the election of the first Republican president, Abraham Lincoln, South Carolina, a state dominated by Democrats, voted to secede from the Union. The Civil War that followed was the bloodiest war in U.S. history. It led to the passage by Republicans of the 13th Amendment, which freed the slaves, the 14th Amendment, which gave them citizenship, and the 15th Amendment, which gave them the vote. In 1870, the first black senator and the first black congressman were sworn in, both Republicans. In fact, every black representative in the House until 1935 was a Republican, and every black senator until 1979 was too. For that matter, the first female member of Congress was a Republican. The first Hispanic governor and senator were Republicans. The first Asian senator you get the idea. Republicans also kept their pledge to defend women's rights. In 1862, the Murillo Anti-Bigamy Act was passed by the Republican-controlled Congress to put an end to polygamy. In 1920, after 52 years of Democratic Party opposition, the 19th Amendment was ratified thanks to the Republican Congress, which pressured Democratic President Woodrow Wilson to drop his opposition to women's rights. In the final tally, only 59% of House Democrats and 41% of Senate Democrats supported women's suffrage. That's compared to 91% of House Republicans and 82% of Senate Republicans. There certainly was a war on women, and it was led by the Democratic Party. But while Republicans had won a major battle for women's rights, 
the fight for black civil rights had a long way to go. In the 1920s, Republican President Calvin Coolidge declared that the rights of blacks are just as sacred as those of any other citizen. By contrast, when famed sprinter Jesse Owens, a staunch Republican, won four gold medals at the 1936 Berlin Olympics, he was snubbed by Democratic President Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt only invited white Olympians to the White House. Two decades later, it was a Republican president, Dwight Eisenhower, who sent the 101st Airborne Division to escort black students into Little Rock Central High when Arkansas Governor Orville Forbes, a Democrat, refused to honor a court order to integrate the state's public schools. The Civil Rights Act of 1960, which outlawed poll taxes and other racist measures meant to keep blacks from voting, was filibustered by 18 Democrats for 125 hours. Not one Republican senator opposed the bill. Its follow-up bill, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, is one of the landmark pieces of legislation in American history. That, too, survived a filibuster by Democrats thanks to overwhelming Republican support. But you might be thinking, all that's in the past. What have Republicans done for women and blacks lately? The answer you'd hear from professors, journalists, and celebrities is not much. And this time, they'd be right. They'd be right because the Republican Party treats blacks and women as it treats everyone, as equals. The Democratic Party never has, and it still doesn't. Today's Democrats treat blacks and women as victims who aren't capable of succeeding on their own. The truth is, this is just a new kind of contempt. So there is a party with a long history of racism and sexism, but it ain't the Republicans. I'm Carol Swain for Prager University. So I go to the bathroom in the airport. What, what is the story on the sinks in airport bathrooms that they will not give us a twisted on, twisted off human style faucet? Is that too risky for the general population? Too dangerous. We better install the one-handed, spring-loaded, pain-in-the-ass Alcatraz-style faucets. You know those ones where you gotta go, hey, boy, I got a little water there. Oh, another couple drops. What is it that they think we would do with a faucet? Turn them all on full, run out into the parking lot, laughing, pushing each other into the bushes? Come on, the water's on, let's go! I turned it on full black. You idiot, we're businessmen. We're gonna miss our plane. Who cares? Water! That's how they think we'll behave. But a look like hers can be found from time to time. Yeah, Olivia is taken. But a look like hers can be found from time to time. I'm thinking something like Olivia is what I need to find. Okay, here we go. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I was talking about my friend who was an alcoholic that got straightened out. And uh, he's now on a, on a trip. We sent a construction team down to Cuba to work on a building. I think it had been destroyed or something, a church building. And uh, 
it was fascinating, you know, when you get closer and closer and closer to socialism, you see the devastation of it. And so uh, they have to take down a lot of their own tools. But they, uh, you know, usually you don't have to take food on these trips. There's food there. You just have to buy it, right? But in this trip, they said, bring food, bring food. And and as we got closer to the trip, they they kept saying, bring, no, bring, you know, they started out with, I don't know what they said, bring rice and beans. And then they said, add tuna, add, add this, add that. Pretty soon they were hauling down all their food down, right? Because maybe it's going to be a problem with supply. It isn't just a, you know, in America, it's a problem maybe for some people with money to buy the food, right? In socialist countries, there's no food to buy and there, you don't have any money. I'm telling you, people, crazy. I'm going to go down here, and I got to talk about this Pentagon thing. I, I was, I, I just, I just can't believe it. I just cannot believe the amount of waste and irresponsibility. People going to work but not working. That would not work in the private sector very long, but in government, you can get away with it. I had a guy that ran the jail where I worked at. I, I was a volunteer, and I'm telling you, he he would not work. He did not work. He ran the jail, but he did not work. Very sad. Nice guy, but just got away with, with uh, being a paperweight, being a government paperweight. And we'll, we'll retire under CalPERS with probably $100,000 a year retirement until he stops breathing and did not do anything to contribute to the mission. So it says an audit, the Pentagon cannot account for, listen people, listen to this figure, $6.5 trillion with a T in tax dollars. They cannot find it. They, they have no paperwork on it. The Inspector General of the United States, which are basically in-house auditors that look for trouble. And, and, and uh, did you know, I picked this up when Trump was elected. He said <clears throat> that he's going to help the military rebuild itself from the years when Obama just sucked the money out of it, right? And Obama wanted to destroy the military and destroy law enforcement. And Trump said, I'm going to restore and get these ships, get these planes, get, I'm not going to have men and women risking their lives without proper firepower backing them up. I'm all for that. However, the glaring report revealed the Pentagon couldn't account for $6.5 trillion worth of Army general fund transactions and data. And this is the first time I've ever heard of this. When Trump came into power, he said that the the Pentagon's books were supposed to be audited on a regular basis, and it hadn't been audited in decades. Now, when, when I was on the school board here in Yuba County, we were mandated that we had to have a C CPA audit every single year. And as a board member, I was happy about that because I wasn't privy to all the, the goings-on throughout the county. And I I could read a budget. I went to college and took classes in that type of stuff. But there you can hide a lot of stuff in statistics. 
And it's nice to have an outside agency come in and look at some, something. But it says here in beginning in 1996, all federal agencies were mandated by law to conduct regular physical financial audits. However, the Pentagon has never complied with that federal law in 20 years. It has never accounted for trillions of dollars in taxpayers' funds. It is spent in part because fudging the numbers has become standard operating procedure at the DOD. And increasingly impatient, according to Physical Times, it's a uh, <clears throat> magazine or something, Fiscal, F-I-S-C-A-L, Times, increasing impatient, Congress has demanded that the Army achieve audit readiness for the first time by September 30, 2017. We're a little behind that, right? So that lawmakers can get a better handle on military spending. I guess so. Man, if you've ever been on a school board, a little league, or whatever, you've got to figure out where the money is being spent, right? But this is like the top agencies in our nation, and they are have lost track of $6.5 trillion. If they've lost track of it, then you know they're not getting the best deals, right? We used to, there were 20 years ago, there were jokes about hammers that cost $500, just a hammer, $1,000 toilets, people ripping off the government, pisses me off, Americans ripping off their own government just to put their money in their pocket, taking tax dollars. It's one thing if you're selling stuff to the public, but when you're working with the government all our tax dollars are pooled together to buy stuff, and you rip rip us all off. So there's a Defense Finance and Accounting Service in Indianapolis. It, that's where it's based. It's a massive number-crunching agency for the Pentagon. Uh, they just can't do their job. Just another gut. What do we could do? We could do this every day. We could talk about this every single day and one agency after. They just don't. That people go to work. They take their little cups of coffee breaks and their lunch and they, they go to work, get behind their computer. And uh, they just cannot do their job. It is so sad. Linda Woodford spent the last 15 years of her career inserting phony numbers in the U.S. Department of Defense accounts. I guess she gave testimony. She said every month until she retired in 2011, she said the day came when the Navy would start dumping numbers on Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio DFAS, that's accounting people. Using the data they received, Woodford and her fellow accountants would set about preparing monthly reports to square the Navy's books with the U.S. Treasuries. And every month, they encountered the same problem. Numbers were missing. Numbers were clearly wrong. Numbers came with no explanation of how the money had been spent or which congressional appropriation that came from. While many of the uh, problems occurred due to bookkeeping errors rather than actual financial losses, the DFA's DFAS has failed to provide necessary tracking information. I just find it so interesting. Do you think for a minute that the IRS would allow you to do this? Oh, well, we just kind of lost track. We don't have the paperwork on to justify that expense. We, we just, you know, they were supposed to send us that paperwork or that bill, but we, 
right? In the U.S. government, the biggest agencies do not keep track, do, cannot provide you a paper trail between an authorization, like if you go to the Board of Supervisors meetings, they authorize, 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 authorize throughout the meeting to spend certain money. Then the, the treasurer tax collectors, then they authorize, they take <clears throat> that uh, government uh, decision and they enforce it by paying those certain bills, right? That's how it happens. There's a paper trail and a decision trail. But they have no paper trail or decision trail here. They can't figure out what they're doing. It says the Pentagon has a chronic failure to keep track of money, how much it has, how much it pays out, how much is wasted or stolen. Man, when you hear these deals about giving money to going into Afghanistan or Iraq or here or there, and just money just disappearing. Say, so, oh, I thought we were supposed to build a school with that. Just disappears. The DFAS did not document or support why the Defense Department reporting system removed at least 16,513 of 1.3 million records during quarter three of fiscal year 2015. In other words, the records just disappeared. Over six, the, if they can number them, they were there. They came up with a number, 16,513. And they said, where's that record? Oh, well, I, I don't know. It was here yesterday. They, so what's happening is these accountants, they just make up a story. Be like you doing your tax return for the IRS and not having any supporting documents. And you just, you just fill in the blanks that you want to fill in on your 1040 or your 540, whatever it is, state or federal. And you, just make, you make up a story so it works out where you don't pay any taxes. You, have, you don't do any bookkeeping. You just make it up out of your head. That's exactly what's going on with the Pentagon. Is that amazing to you? I, I, and the size of the, of the money, the amount of the money is just unbelievable. I, I just can't. I, I, when I read it yesterday, I just thought, I, I can't even get my brain around this. Well, I don't know whether you've been seeing, but various governors are getting a hard on over flying the rainbow flag, celebrating people putting their penis in the butt of another guy or females having sex with females or males having sex with males. And somehow, or, or I guess we could do uh, the rainbow flag also includes sex changes People thinking they're male, but then now they're going to dress like a female, cross-dressers, transsexuals. I don't know whether we're going to do sex with animals or sex with demons. Uh, I don't know whether that fits under the rainbow, but somebody wrote the other day. I thought it was interesting. It's interesting how perverts uh, subvert the truth for a lie. So where did the rainbow concept come from? A friend of mine wrote wrote about made this comment. I don't know whether he saw it somewhere else and re, reposted it, or but it ended up on his Facebook feed. He said it's interesting how the rainbow uh, is mentioned in the Bible as a sign in the heavens that God will never flood the earth as a punishment for people's out of control sin. He'll never do that again. 
It's a sign of the heavens. But the LBT, LBT, WXYZ, all those people, they have chosen that to flaunt their uh, sinful behavior in the face of God. They fly a flag. He, he does a rainbow, say, I'm not going to kill you. They do a rainbow flag saying, we're going to do anything we want. Screw you. That's what, that, that's what this is about. And so all these governors are just all jacked up and arrogant and flying their flag. Wisconsin, California, Michigan. Uh, they're just all stirred up. So this state representative, a guy named Allen, he questioned the Wisconsin governor. And I'm telling you, if you're, if you're uh, a Christian person, or if you're not even a Christian person, but you're just a person that just is moral, trying to do the right thing, or old school, you're going to get some blowback, man. You stand up against this stuff. So he says, I oppose Governor Evers. This is Wisconsin. Governor Evers' actions, not because I am a Christian, but because I'm an American. It is not the place of government to raise a flag over the government buildings that does not symbolize the unity of people who are governed. The humanism seemingly promoted by our government governor violates its own tenets of tolerance and inclusion. Does it violate the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment as well, he says? Colorado governor also hung a rainbow flag on the Colorado State Capitol last week. Uh, let's see. Just all of them are just celebrating now recently. Uh, you know, under Clinton, Secretary of State Clinton, she wanted the, the rainbow flag flown at all of our embassies. And Pompeo the new Secretary of State put a stop to that. Mike Pence recently said that he supports the policy barring U.S. embassies from flying any flag on their flagpole other than the Stars and Stripes. Says, I'm not aware, Pence says, I'm not aware that the State Department indicated that on the flagpole of our America's embassies that one flag should fly, and that's, or, or he said, I am aware, one flag should fly, and that's the American flag, and I support that. He also said that having the one American flag fly, I think, is the right decision, as we put no restrictions on displaying any other flags or any other any other displays that are embassies beyond that. So here's the deal. Where is this going to go? How many flags are we going to put up there anytime we want to show our support? The governor? I don't, I don't support uh, the, the rainbow, the, all the rainbow baloney. So... So I'm not in on that flag. There's lots of Californians that aren't supportive of that flag. If people want to have sex with their dog, with their pig, with their sheep, horse, on their own time, at their own place, want to buy their own little little pony, have sex with it, I guess that's their business. I, I don't need to know about it. You know, it's interesting to me where they, somebody gets hired somewhere or they becomes a big coach or he gets hired for some job, wins election. And now they, first thing they got to tell me is how he's having his sex. Instead of just saying he's 
he's now the new representative or he's running for president like that Buddha, Buddha judge. He's a mayor. Looks like he looks like a little cartoon character. But he's he's running for he's running for president from mayor and and he 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 you know it's like I don't if I was married I, and I was on on a stage I don't know whether I would take that opportunity to kiss my wife right but he wants to kiss he he likes to kiss his partner and male guy just right out in front of God and everybody of course he thinks it's, it's God's business that he's the way he is he and his partner. But I don't know whether we had, you know, I noticed a guy, I read an article here a few years ago, I used to talk about it, that a guy married his dog in San Francisco. And, but he was going to somehow wait to go to Montana to consummate the relationship. So I don't know, behind closed doors, you can screw your dog. It's, it's like, who's going to catch you, right? But somehow it was a big deal that in Montana you could actually have sex with an animal. So I don't know whether that sex with an animal thing fits in under the Rainbow Coalition. But I never thought of the of the point my friend made that that the rainbow, the co-opting of the rainbow to to say we're going to have sex with anything, and the big thing about our lives is uh, we're going to abuse God's way of sexuality. And we're going to do it in your face. And not only that, if you don't like support it and say you endorse it, we're coming after you. Now, it used to be all we want is you to be tolerant and just understand we got a different way about us. But now it's not that. So if you don't like endorse us and say we love you, we love we not not we love you, but we love the fact that you're doing that. We think that's a good thing for you. We think that's a good thing in society that people can have sex uh, inappropriately. Uh, and it, and it's, it's really cool, right? We think it's all right to have transsexuals go in and talk about their lifestyle to little kids. We think it's all right to tell little kids in California schools that they may not be a boy or a girl. They may be a boy, girl, a boy, girl, something else, right? Or gender fluid, They tell me at Yuba County Health Department that if you get syphilis and you don't address it, it affects your brain. And so lots of people back in the day when they didn't know how to deal with syphilis with penicillin, they went into these insane asylums where it screwed people's heads up. I think a lot of people, if they don't have syphilis, God has turned them over to reprobate mind and they've lost their minds. It's a shameful thing. It's a shameful thing, and it's not something that we have to support, even though we may not be in the majority in California or in some of these states like Colorado, Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera, that they think they just get giddy about it. Remember when Obama lit the White House exterior up with rainbow colors, right? But at my house, I got a blue light in my porch because I turn it on. And I, it's like it's just a symbol of supporting law enforcement. But I like the fact that I think it was Trump lit the White House up with blue. You, d you didn't see Obama do that because he hated police. He didn't hate bad cops. He hated all police. And he undermined their work. So we're at the end of our fifth segment here. And um, I'm going to play a clip here of Rashida Laib. She's another Muslim gal that's basically 
pronouncing death to America. And they voted her into power. And uh, check out uh, what Brigitte Gabriel says about Rashid Laib. And we'll be right back to do the sixth and final segment of our show today. All right. straight. Anti-Semites and terrorist sympathizers have no place in the U.S. Congress. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib isn't just radical, she is dangerous. The now famous Congresswoman who declared that she is going to get to D.C. and quote, impeach that mother effer is now proudly showing her true colors. This is the same woman who drapes herself in the Palestinian flag and calls herself a quote, voice to the Palestinians in the West Bank. Really, Rashida? You are a voice to the Palestinians in the West Bank? Did the Palestinians in the West Bank vote for you? Last I checked, you were elected in the United States by Americans. The American people who elected you elected the lady with the title, the Honorable, to represent them, not a foul-mouthed sailor. One would think Rashida Tlaib would be careful about posing with and inviting terrorist sympathizers to join her at private events. Not at all. She is dang proud of it. You'd think the media would be all over this, holding her accountable for her anti-Semitism, pure hatred of Israel, and dual loyalty. But no, they are her defenders, her protectors, and actually are screaming Islamophobia. The hypocrisy is appalling. Welcome to the new Democratic Party of Rashida Tlaib and Ahsan Omar. They are anti-American, anti-Semitic, and worst of all, proud of it. When a sitting U.S. Congresswoman is allowed to pal around with terrorist supporters and get away with it, you know we have a serious problem. Tlaib's blatant allegiance to Palestine, vile commentary about President Trump, and alliance with anti-Semitic terrorists has crossed the line. For too long, Americans set by and tolerated anti-Semitism and support for Islamic terror groups out of fear of being labeled Islamophobic by the leftist media. I say that the Jew-hating, Palestinian-loving, terror-sympathizing media can kick rocks. I don't know about you, but enough is enough. We need to fight this with everything we have. I urge everyone watching this video to join us and follow the link in this post as we stand up against this hate roaming the halls of Congress. Join our movement so together we can save America. Some of my friends are down in Cuba right now. Cuba, as they say in Espanol. Cuba. I like Cuba. And uh, 
One of the guys, actually the guy leading the trip from this end, Ted Holmes, uh, supports this program. He runs a number of businesses in the area here in Northern California. He has liftoff floors where they help strip floors up, like tile or whatever, and you're getting ready to polish the concrete or put down new floors. But what we promote here on the show is the... the, uh, the plumbing doctor, and uh, he's had that for a number of years and expanded it up here in the Yuba Sutter area. Plumbing doctor, they respond 24 hours a day to your plumbing needs. And, you know, even in the recession, which he's, I guess he's probably been, I think he started the plumbing doctor before the recession, and that was in 2008. That's how I think, at 2007, 2008. But that was tough times there. But the fact is, even when things are difficult financially, the plumbing problem's got to get taken care of somehow. Either you do it yourself or you got to get somebody in to help you. And uh, what you hope for is that somebody gets it done right the first time and doesn't change the amount they charge you. So uh, the plumbing doctor has a way of billing or a way of assessing the cost as they just give you a figure. And they stick with that figure. And uh, so you know what you're getting into. So I have them come over here and fix my... I live in an old house in Marysville. And so, you know, things need to be upgraded. Fixtures need to be changed. They leak. You don't want to dare have a leak in Marysville. We get the highest water rates in in the region. Three, four times as high as Yuba City, which is right next door or Oliverst, right across the river, or Linda, right across the river, three or four times as high as them. So you don't want to have a leak anywhere. You don't want to use water for anything that you don't absolutely have to. So one day the plumbing doctor guys was were over here doing something for me. I think it was fixing a faucet. And they said, Lou, how come you got these old toilets? I said, I don't know. They still work. They said, oh, Lou, they're just sucking. They're they're using two or three times as much water as you need. When they said that, I said, fix them. Just replace them. Now when I flush the toilet, hardly any water gets used, saving me all kinds of money every time. So you may want to look at some of your toilets or even your sinks if they're leaking or your, you know, the other place to use, if you have a lot of family members, if you don't have one of those uh, shower heads that are uh, e- economical, like they use efficient amounts of water, you can get yourself in a problem there as well. So you can get a hold of the plumbing doctor 24 hours a day at 530-671-9111, like the doctor, 911-9111, three ones, 671-9111, 530 So check out Ted, even though he's in Cuba, the plumbing doctor is still running around town. I see him all over the place, their vans, fixing things, making things right, making the water run the right direction at the right temperature and all that kind of stuff. So uh, here's another thing I liked about Trump. And uh, he, what under Obama... And the environmentalists who believe that mankind is a curse on the earth and the animals. In other words, God created the creatures on the earth and all the environments were on board with that. But then when he created as his crowning 
creation, he made a person. That pissed the environmentalists off right there. And they thought these, because, you know, basically, if you read Genesis and you buy into that, you're going to have a change your worldview because the Genesis said he created man to have, he says, told Adam to name the animals. Well, he didn't ask the animals to name Adam. Like, what do you think we ought to call the kids? Call the boy. No, he chose Adam to name the animals. And he said, rule over the animals, have dominion over them. And he said, have dominion over the earth. That doesn't mean you destroy something when you have, when you rule over it, right? Like I don't, I, I'm, I'm ruling over my property here in Marysville where we're broadcasting out of today, but I'm not destroying my property. I always try to improve the property, right? I think God, if you're a Christian, uh, God wants you to be a good steward or a good manager of the property. Environmentalists who hate Christians think that Christians are just out to destroy and, and exploit and uh, manipulate everything. But, that, but that's wrong. That's just that's Satan's way, the devil's way. And God wants us to enjoy. He said, re, he said expand, m go out, populate the earth, replenish the earth, multiply, be happy, enjoy the earth. He created all this beauty for people to enjoy. If you've got a problem with that, then you've got a problem. That's a personal problem you have. So what the environmentalists and the liberals have done is continuously restricted and tried to force people, human beings, off property and, and do what some people refer to as rewild it. Rewild it. In other words, get the roads, let the roads be abandoned, let the power lines be abandoned, let the undergrowth grow crazily. So if, it, if, if lightning, you know, most fires start by lightning strike. Did you know that? So when the lightning strikes, then it's a complete Holocaust type burnout. It's not just a managed burn. Crazy. It's crazy thinking. So the environmentalists and what the college professors are saying that mankind is all the big problem. It's interesting. All these people that get behind this, the Bloombergs, Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire, he has multiple jets. Somehow he wants you and I to not buy gas, but he, want, but he finds an exemption for him to fly personally on a jet with a pilot, him and the pilot, all over the world. That's not a problem for him. That's not hypocrisy. Al Gore can have a house that he burns 30 times as much utilities as I do, according to statistics, but that's not a problem because he's really saving the earth. All these people, politicians, liberal politicians, people that are uh, the privileged of the world, they get to do things that they claim shouldn't be done, but because they're the, they're the, uh, emissaries of deliverance they can do whatever they want but you and i are the ones that have to knuckle down buckle down and get her done well president trump even though he's not a big outdoorsman you remember he he appointed brian uh ryan hinky not ryan hinky oh i can't think of his name now I'll, it'll come back to me the uh his Department of Interior, I have it, Ryan Zinke, Z-I-N-K-E. He was a, I believe he was a Navy SEAL at one time. He appointed him, he was a guy from Montana, he appointed him 
Secretary of the Interior, people hated him. They even complained about his socks. That One day he wore a pair of socks that had Trump's picture on it, and they said, you violated the Hatch Act, which is just totally crock of crap. So Hinky, Zinke, uh, finally, uh, there used to be a Hinky that was Department of Interior, I think, but Zinke... Uh, stepped down, and Interior Secretary David Bernhardt, who had been involved with Department of Interior for many years, finally Trump said, uh, listen, I want you to open up public lands to people to hunt, fish, shoot, hike, boat, whatever, enjoy. In other words, Trump took the position of God. He said, people go out and enjoy what God created, right? He's a God-fearing man. You may not like his personality. I don't really care. I don't care what his personality is. The fact is, he's doing things that I think God would do. So this is amazing. David Bernhardt, the new Interior Secretary, he's, he's opening up 1.4 million acres of land to people for people to just go enjoy. You want to go count birds, take photographs, camp, hike, collect flowers, experiment. And they're eliminating 7,500 regulations that are eliminate, limiting access to these lands. Now, over in El Dorado County, <clears throat> I, Sheriff, I think it's Augustino, it's close to that. He had to deal with the one of Obama's foresters over there in the National Forest over there who kept harassing residents of El Dorado County when they went into the forest to enjoy the forest, and he would cite them for various things. Finally, he said, quit citing our people. I think he got like 50 different citations. He said, I, we're not going to enforce your citations here. And that's the power of a sheriff. So Barnhart said the president fundamentally gets that hunters and anglers are the true conservationists in our society. That is a fact. Hunters and anglers are the ones that, that take care of our, of our uh, environment. I'll give you an example. You go to any liberal demonstration, 300,000 people, 100,000 people, 700 people. You look, remember, occupy this, occupy that, occupy this. They left their crap, all their stuff, everything. All the people of the Dakota pipeline, they had to bring in, they removed thousands of tons of crap, stuff that people left when they, they camped up there for free and create a huge environmental mess. You didn't hear anything of the liberals saying, oh, well, they hurt the environment. No, no, no. It was fine as long as they were trying to create a socialist government. You go to the, the, uh, the big mall where everybody protests or demonstrates, whether it's a million man march or the women something or pro-life day, the conservatives, they walk off that, that big, massive thousands of acres and there isn't anything left there to pick up you have the liberals go in there they completely trash the whole place it takes the entire it takes our tax dollars to go in and clean up that mess so when you think of hunters and anglers they clean up their mess and they're the ones that they are the conservationists along with the ranchers 
So it says first under Interior Sec Secretary Zinke, or Zink, however you want to say it, and now as the nation's top outdoorsman, Bernhardt, has been implementing rules to expand access at lightning speed. As a part of the effort, Interior's Fish and Wildlife Service established 10 hunting and fishing chiefs. In other words, these people are hired to go out and find places that people would love to go enjoy and open them up. Uh, Bernhardt announced a proposal to open up 1.4 million acres, da-da-da, and at 74 national wildlife refuges and 15 national fish hatcheries. That's awesome. This is the the view that humans are a, are a, a blemish on the earth is satanic. You with me? It isn't a political position. It's a satanic uh, view. It's a satanic perspective that humans are somehow a curse on the earth. It, it that's not it at all. That is what, what the curse on the earth is. Those uh, rainbow flags above the above the different uh, places of of uh, government. What that is is a symbolic of rebellion. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, you always focus on people's sinful behavior, behaviors. Oh, that's sinful. This is sinful. You know, the basic behavior that was sinful from the very beginning was a spirit of rebellion. And that's what those rain rainbow flags represented. Spirit of rebellion, like it or not. Well, uh, let's see. When it always gets down to the end of the day, there, you always have to pick and choose. What's the most uh, interesting thing to me that I want to talk about? And uh, maybe I'll just do this. What comes after the United States? I don't know. This is a great article. I don't know whether I can point it. Okay, here we go. This is a, a guy named Eric Utter, E-U-T-T-E-R, Utter. What comes next after the United States? It was Ben Franklin supposedly said, a republic... In other words, people said, what would you, you create, a monarchy? Did we get a republic? You know, people were waiting outside the door when they were voting and making all these decisions. What kind of government are we going to have, right? They didn't really have a setup. And Ben Franklin said, it's a republic if you can keep it. And so Eric Utter said, it's not looking so good. And, it, and, uh, and that's, he said, for America, it's not looking good or for the world. He says that George Washington was the one indispensable man. The U.S. is the one indispensable world do you, or, or nation. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. The U.S. is the one indispensable nation. If the U.S. changes who the U.S. is, it's the beginning of the end. The less its leaders and its citizens believe that, the more it is proven to be true as the world situation deteriorates. Yet many Americans are experiencing a crisis of faith deeper and more sinister than the malaise with which Jimmy Carter said we were reflected in the 1970s. You can look this up. I'm not going to be able to get through it all today, but uh, you can look it up and read it. What it. The title is What Comes Next After the United States by Eric U-T-T-E-R, Utter. He says, this guy's a good writer and he's, he's a good thinker. Truth be told, the United States has been in the midst of a culture cold war. 
for several decades. The war is essentially over. In other words, it's finished. The progressives won. In 1993, Daniel Patrick Monaghan, Democratic uh, senator from New York, coined the phrase defining deviancy down to describe the redefining of deviancy to exempt conduct previously stigmatized and and uh, and brand behavior previously considered abnormal and abhorrent as normal and mainstream. Hello? Check out those, those uh, flags. He was vehemently against this practice, Daniel Patrick Moore. He was also against the welfare state. He, de- he knew it destroyed the black family. He was a Democrat, senator, United States senator from New York. Can anyone imagine a Democrat saying anything like Daniel Patrick Moynihan wrote today? Shortly thereafter came the trickle-down immorality of the Clinton years. In more recent times, marriage has been redefined with homosexuality approved and celebrated, and the LGBTQILA, etc. community holding public pride parades all over the fruited plain, and men who claim to be women have won the right to excrete or compete in any bathroom, locker room, or venue after uh, their transgender heart's desire. The left never gives in, never tires, never wavers, always presses on. The Ten Commandments are banned from public spaces. Conservatives are prevented from speaking on college campuses or shouted down if they are allowed to speak. Those wearing MAGA hats are the targets of bullying and violence. Statues of Civil War figures and former presidents are removed as statues as... uh, Statues of, of uh, demons are unveiled. Christianity is boldly mocked in movies, television, and by entertainers and academics. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. Private business owners are forced to make cakes for gay ceremonies or satanic rituals. Even as many who espouse traditional values are banned from social media platforms, slandered and smeared. Pro-life and Christian content is considered pornography by the very same social media giants that failed to take down videos of ISIS beheadings and live stream suicides. Schools allow drag queens to read to their young students, covering every sexual deviancy imaginable, and encourage the kiddies to act on their gender fluidity, but send them home for passing out a Bible passage or wearing shirts to support President Trump or the border wall. The death penalty for mass murder is considered barbaric by those on the left, even as they promise unfettered abortion. Then there are the little things. People are expected or coerced to pay for other people's birth control. The reciting of the Pledge of Allegiance is being discontinued in some schools. Many athletes are not standing for the national anthem. There's been a talk of removing in God we trust from the currency. Sometimes the devil's just in those details. An extreme tolerance of some things has been accompanied by an inordinate intolerance of other things. Tolerance of the perverted has led to a concurrent rise in the intolerance of the traditional, the good, the elegant, the holy. Snark has replaced reverence. Faith, hope, and love have been replaced by atheism, hopelessness, and free love. The idea of marriage between a man and a woman, able to... Procreate and united in holy matrimony has been cast aside as so much white patriarchal Christian pablum. Today, an unholy game of anything goes as a standard, a twisted twister of gender kink 
and sexual fluidity. Tolerance is not a virtue per se. It can be and often is a good thing, but it can be bad as well. It needs to be remembered that we get more of what we tolerate. There's more to this. We're at the end of the day. If you want to read the rest of this, you could just Google what comes next after the United States by Eric Utter. And you can read the last few paragraphs, which I'm going to let you do on your own if you care to. So um, we will catch you in another week, I think on January, or January, on, on June, the J months, June 29th. And I uh, hope you have a good week. And if you meet somebody out there that's new to you, be sure to entertain them properly and care for them because you may be entertaining an angel and not even know it. God bless you and see you later. Here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss.